Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your host is Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor and founder of the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute. On this edition of the Out of the Question podcast, I am joined by Walter Hoy, who is an advocate for the unborn working in a multi-capacity as founder and president of Issues for Life Foundation, the Frederick Douglass Foundation, and an executive member of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition. He's also a board member of the Morning Center, which was founded to provide free full-time maternity care for women in urban and underserved areas. He's also the author of the book, Leadership from the Inside Out. Walter, thanks for joining me today in the midst of what is always a very full schedule for you. (laughs) Andrea, it's my pleasure. I hope everything is well with you and with yours. It is. Thank you. So the question I asked you to address is how to proceed when the game seems rigged. Now, most people might think I'm talking about the election, but what I'm really talking about with you is how is it that a black pastor continues your efforts, even though for all the years that you've been working on this, it's like you're swimming upstream? Oh, oh my goodness. That's a really good question. You know, personally and privately, I spend some time with God and I I spend some time realigning his call in my life. I, I, I'm always focused on, am I doing what he wants me to do? And as I do that, as I, as I dig deeper in, into that, that calling, God confirms, he sends me signs, things happen along the way that confirm that I'm actually doing what he has called me to do. And then that encourages me, that strengthens me, that, that moves me deeply to continue what I'm doing. Okay, so some people might know you as the guy who was arrested in Oakland for violating a really, really um, important law that says you can't talk to women who are about to go in to an abortion clinic. Tell us a little bit about how what the enemy tried to use to stop you has actually fueled your efforts in pro-life work. My, my goodness, uh, I was standing on a public sidewalk holding a sign that says, God loves you and your baby. Let us help you right in front of an abortion clinic. And many of the women going into the clinic would recognize me as a preacher from the pulpit. And they would literally walk up to me and say, hey, preacher, preacher. And now I knew at that point that, you know, she had seen me preaching, teaching. She was in church herself. Uh, I, I knew at that point I was talking with someone that had actually seen me communicate the word of God. And it just so happened that the sign I was was holding literally answered the three most asked questions I would get. She, she'd want to know, preacher, uh, is it true that God loves me? And, and I would, of course, say, yes, it, it's true. And then she said, well, if it's true, uh, is is it also true that he loves me and my baby. And for her, it was always her baby, always her baby. It wasn't fetal tissue. It wasn't some sort of clump of cells. It was my baby. 
And then, you know, the sisters, they had no problem getting up in your face. And they said, well, preach, what you going to do? What you going to do? Uh, are you going to help me? And I did. And if you've ever helped someone and then maybe some time passes and they come back and they say, oh, my goodness, thank you for helping me. You know, I've got my baby now and she's so in love with her child. And yeah, there may still be challenges. There may still be struggles. But mama is so in love with her baby. And she's saying, this is the best decision I ever made. And she says, I could never have lived with the decision I was about to make. And so if you've ever experienced that, uh, that, that alone, that right there is enough to keep you going. And it's also important to realize that too many people try to make their pro-life efforts dealing with thousands, hundreds of people at a time. How can we get our message out? But what you just told me was you were there one-on-one. It was a personal thing, and you communicated the personal message of the gospel. The Bible is really clear, Old Testament, New Testament, that every soul, every individual soul is precious in the sight of God. When you come into the, the New Testament and you're taking a look at Christ and you realize that Christ died for everybody, every individual. Oh, my oh my goodness. And so you can't underestimate the, the life of one person. I mean, just for example, if, if we didn't have Paul, just Paul, just the Apostle Paul, we just don't have him. Oh, my goodness. Where is the Bible? How do we how do we reach the, the Gentile nation? What do we have to read today? Just one life. It just goes to show you how important every individual life is. And if we're going to be embracers of, of God and his son, Jesus Christ, we're going to have to really understand how important, how priceless every individual life is. So do you find as you do the work you do with your wife, Lori, that you get pigeonholed that, you know, you're not really acting like a black man should because, you know, black people are supposed to be Democrat voters. They're supposed to go with certain party lines. How do you maneuver through that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's not uncommon for me to be put in that kind of, of a situation. But oh, my goodness, it, it's tough. I'm just as black as they are. I, 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 I've got history that goes back to, you know, the late 1800s that I can actually track. All right. I, I've got a wife. I've got a black wife. Uh, I've, I've, I've worked and served at the highest level in a, a black church for years. I'm licensed, ordained. And then when we start talking about politics and when you realize that at one point, at one point in America, every single black American was Republican. And the reason why we were all Republican was because the Democrat Party was the party of the Klan. All of a sudden, the conversation starts to change. You see, I can say things and get away with things that maybe everybody everybody can't. And so I oftentimes use that to my advantage. Being black is not a disadvantage to you. It's the advantage God gave you because that's how he made you. Absolutely. And once again, that, that, that's reconfirming my mission, reconfirming my calling. God made me to do what I'm doing. All right. So talk about what is something that's overlooked, the importance of men 
in the black community serving as fathers? Because I know this is something that's near and dear to your heart. Yeah, you, you're, you're, you're talking to my heart now. Um, the, the men in my life, even going back as far as my great grandfather, have always been great models, great examples of, of fatherhood, of what a man ought to be. And if I just talk about my dad, my dad, my dad broke the color line in the NFL in 1967-68. And at that time, they had players. Yeah, we were playing ball, but none of us, no black Americans could work in the front office. Yeah, it was as racist as the day is long. But at that time, Buddy Young went to the uh, NFL headquarters in New York. And my dad, my dad moved us from Detroit to San Diego because he was hired by the San Diego Chargers. And that's literally how our family got to California. Now, my dad was the first. He, he broke the color line. And oh my goodness, I could see as his son the struggles that he was wrestling with. And it, it was obvious. But my dad did some things at home that made all the difference in my life today. One, my, my dad loved my mom. And I mean, daddy loved mama. I mean, daddy would lose his job. Daddy would lose everything if mama was ever in trouble, mama was struggling or someone was threatening her. Daddy, I mean, I, I, I've seen it where Mama had to come say, Daddy, uh, uh, baby, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Because he, he wouldn't let nobody mess with, with Mama. You, you had to respect Mama. And so I saw how, how a, a, a husband loved a wife and protected a wife and valued a wife. And then my dad made sure that all of us were in church. All of us were in church. There, there was no, no question about that. Even during the NFL season on Sunday, now I'm, I'm working with the Chargers myself. Now I'm a ball boy. I'm in the locker room. I'm hanging out with the players, doing all kinds of stuff, having a great time a, a, as a young man. But before I could go on Sunday, before I could go to the game, I had to be in church. I had to be in church. And my dad was in church with me. I, I can give you one more example of, of all the young men that I grew up with, my, my friends I grew up with in Detroit on the block, I'm probably the only one left alive from that block. And I can tell you, it, it was my family that made the difference. It was my mom and dad working together that, that made the difference. So when I, I'm, I'm working with uh, young men and young women today, I, I, I'm, I'm talking to them oftentimes about the importance of a father, importance of a husband. I'm talking about the biblical model for, for manhood. And that, in my opinion, would solve oh, a lot of problems that we're facing today. So do you find that's a receptive message when you go to black churches around the country? It's, it's accepted. You know, in, in, in the black church, the, there, there's no denying that, yes, you know, manhood, fatherhood, uh, the women love to hear how men ought to man up and put a ring on their finger and all that. That it, it's that message is accepted. Now, when I start talking about pro-life, I talk about life in the womb. That becomes uh, another story. That's a little more difficult. Why do you think it's more difficult? It, it, it's more difficult because we're getting down right down to the heart of the matter. 
I mean, when you start talking about abortion and when you realize the numbers surrounding the disproportionate numbers surrounding abortion in, in, in black America, you, you realize you may be talking to an, an entire congregation that's post-abort. And so you're talking about a, a, a form of sin, a guilt that may be so widespread that everybody is involved in it. And because we don't preach on it, we don't teach it, we, we, we don't deal with it in church. There are many folks sitting in church. And I, I've been told this, that she's sitting in church. Her pastor is a super pastor, super preacher, super teachers, licensed, ordained, degree, you know, all of that. And he's bold, don't mind preaching on anything, but this one thing. And she's sitting there thinking that maybe I have committed a sin. She's had an abortion. She's thinking that maybe I've committed a sin that's so bad, so heinous, that not even my pastor would talk about it. So she just sinks deeper in depression. And because we're not addressing it in church, our, our sin, people are not coming to Christ, asking him to forgive them of their sin. And so now we're talking about a subject where there hasn't been any, you know, very little forgiveness of sin. And have you ever tried to talk about something with someone, very sensitive, personal, my goodness, abortion, and no one has reconciled that with Christ? That makes it for a very difficult conversation. And you've got to understand what you're getting into before you get into that conversation. So it's not so, so much not that people don't want to have this addressed. It's the silence that makes it so it's very difficult to come out on the side of regardless of your situation, abortion is never an answer. Ab absolutely. And, it, and as far as the Issues for Life Foundation is concerned, uh, we focus in, entirely on, on black leadership. And when you begin to understand the four reasons why black leadership rejects the pro-life movement, you begin to have some clarity. You begin to finally understand exactly what you need to do in order to be effective in communicating the pro-life message. So what are those things? <laughs> well, uh, there are four specific ones, and I'll I just try to touch on it briefly. The, the number one, the number one, the number one, I, I run into this, uh, more than anything else. And, and I've, I've traveled all around the country. Matter of fact, I just got back from, from Dallas and, and from Georgia just yesterday. And so in my travels, I meet pastors from everywhere. And oftentimes when I'm talking to a pastor, I'm talking to a pastor who's in the number one category. It's the number one reason. And it's this, the pastor is post aborted. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that there's an abortion in his life somewhere somewhere it may be mama it may be his wife it, 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 it may be his son it may be his daughter it may be him mm, lord have mercy he he he's guilty himself he's preaching to an, a, a congregation that's probably entirely post-abortive the numbers are so disproportionate when it comes to abortion in black America, that perhaps maybe even the entire congregation is post-abortive. Now, if, if you don't know there's an abortion in his life, you can talk to him all you want. You can share with him all you want. You can inform him all that you want. He's pastor, he'll probably be polite, he'll probably be kind, he may even listen to what you have to say, may even receive what you have to give. 
but he's never reconciled that abortion in his life. I he's see. got unforgiveness in his life with, with that particular sin. He hasn't dealt with it. And if you don't know how to deal with that, you don't, you don't know what to do when you reach someone in that number one category, you're just not going to reach them. And oftentimes, the pro-life movement I see. never I reaches see. them. Okay, what's number two? Number two is that uh, he's racist. Huh. There, huh. there are black folk uh, that are racist too. You know, racism is a big topic today, but white folk aren't the only folk racist. There's some uh, brothers I know personally that hate white folk. Hate them. Hate them. And, you know, I, I'm licensed, ordained. Uh, you know, I'm in the club, you know, so I can be in meetings where it's just us and nobody else. And oftentimes it comes up. It comes up. And so if, if you meet a pastor who's struggling with racism, he don't really like white folk. Well, oh my goodness. If you don't have a strategy for that, you can't reach it. Now, I, I can deal with that. But if you don't have a strategy for that, you, you can't reach it. You're just wasting your time. Interesting. Okay, number three. Uh, number three is that he's compromised. Um, you, 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 um, your listeners probably know that you know, I, I served some time in, in, in jail. And uh, well, when I was in jail, not one of the brothers came to visit me. Not one. Not one. And they all knew why I was there. They all knew I was pro-life. They all knew that Oakland had created a law just for me. They, they all knew that even the only testimony against me in court, since there were no women testifying against me because I was helping all the women, the only testimony against me was the executive director of the abortion clinic. And we impeached her entire testimony with videotape evidence. But it had already been decided. You know, the judge had already been told he had to make sure I went to jail. Oakland City Attorney, they had to make sure I went to jail. So they allowed her impeached testimony. And Lord, sure enough, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in jail. Now, I'm out of jail now and I'm in a bookstore. And oh, my goodness, I run into one of the pastors and he looks at me and I look at him. You know, we know each other. And he just puts his head down and he walks over to me. He says, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, the Bible is clear. I, I should have come to visit you when you were in jail. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was talking about that in the New Testament. You know, I'm sorry. I should have done that. And he says, you know, I, I just can't do what you did. I said, well, what are you, what are you talking about? He says, well, man, I, 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 can't, I can't go go that far. And he says, as he puts his head down, he puts his head down. He says, man, I, I, I've chosen the money over the mission. I've chosen the treasure over the truth. You see, let's say a priest makes a mistake. It's just a mistake. Well, maybe he's reassigned to an uncomfortable location. Maybe, maybe advancement is no longer in his future. All right. But we're talking about a Protestant pastor. He could preach on abortion, the most controversial issue in the black church today. Nothing is more controversial than that. He could preach about that at noon be done preaching one, one thirty by three, three thirty. He could be voted out of his pulpit. He could be homeless in the street. You see, the dynamics are completely different. And if you don't know how to save somebody's job when you're talking about this, you really don't know what you're asking them to do. And oftentimes, you know, they may listen to you and all of that. And sometimes they won't. They don't have nothing to do with you. But if you don't know the dynamics behind if you don't know what's really going on, you don't know how to save his job. You can't okay. reach him. That makes sense. And something that, that most people would never consider. So what's number four? 
Number four is that he's uninformed. And I, I used to think that uh, this was the, you know, this was the easiest one. You know, this, this one, he wasn't post-abortive. You know, he, he wasn't racist. He didn't hate white folk. You know, he, he wasn't compromised at all. Nothing like that. He just needed some more information. And, you know, for years, I would just, oh, man, here, let me inform you. Let me, oh, look at this. This is data. Look at this data. And oftentimes, you know, I, I, I would use deliberately data that comes directly from the abortion industry. So there's no question. This is what the abortion industry is admitting that they're doing. No question here. So the data solid, stands right where it is. But I wasn't getting the kind of results I thought I should be getting. And then one day I'm reading my Bible, you know, and I'm in the New Testament. And oh, my goodness, Jesus makes it clear to me that I wasn't talking to an under shepherd. Hmm. I was talking to a hireling. And there's a difference between a hireling and an under shepherd. That's true. So That's true. what I'm hearing you say, Walter, is that you see the problems, you see the compromise, you see the hypocrisy, but you hang in there anyway. I guess some people would just say this isn't worth it, throw their hands up and say, I'm not going to bother. Why do you continue? Oh, uh, Because I, I see great success at the same time. For instance, we, 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 we have a program that literally moves pastor from A to B. Got a program. We're the, it's the only program like it in the entire country. It, it's, it's a modern day underground railroad. And so I, I've taken some things from Harriet Tubman and I, I've put that together and we've created underground railroad. We essentially take pastor and his wife. If his wife can't come with him, he can't come. And we take him to a secret location. And in that secret location, I, I hold him for four days, him and his wife, for four days. And at the end of the four days, I got I got Let me give you an example. I reached one pastor here in, in, in California. Oh, my goodness. He's over 1,100 churches. And guess what? I reached him. Oh, my goodness. Now I have access to over 1,100 black churches. It all depends on your strategy. It all depends on you know what exactly God has called you to do. Uh, we know exactly how to address the issues, and we put together a program that's unique. There's nothing like it in the entire country, in the entire pro-life movement, anywhere. So the question comes up, all right, unless you're independently wealthy, which I know you're not, how do you continue to live, and how is this effort being supported? Oh, my goodness, that's a very... In, in, in insightful for comment you, you made. Uh, no, uh, we're, we're not independently wealthy and, and, and no, uh, because this issue is so controversial in the black church, there's virtually no donor base for the pro-life movement in black America. Uh, that's why there's probably less than five black 501c3s organizations that deal just exclusively, no, no, not politics or anything like that, just the pro-life. That's all do a single issue, 501c3. There's only like maybe three or four of us left in the United States. And that's an, a, another answer for me. Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? Well, he keeps providing. He keeps making a way for Laura and I to stay in the game. So when you said that there's little support, is a lot of your support coming from people who probably don't have dark skin, they're not people of color, but care about the unborn and care 
about whole segments of the population who need help and support? Absolutely. There's no question about it. It's not as if our, our, our donor roles are, uh, are all white. That's not true. You know, we, we have uh, folk from almost every, every de um, demographic, but predominantly um, it, it comes from a demographic outside of black America. Okay. So it sounds like as a minister of the gospel, you actually believe the gospel. You actually believe that Calvary not only washes away sin for people, but it, it provides the reconciliation. So your ministry is one of reconciliation. A absolutely. Uh, when you know how to put it together, when, when you know what to do to actually reach someone, for instance, if if someone is telling you no, and you don't know why they're telling you no, you can do all kind of wonderful things, absolutely wonderful. There's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but it's got nothing to do with why they're saying no. You've got to understand why they're saying no. Now, this is directly from Jesus. I got this from Christ. When I look at Christ talking to individuals in the Bible, he knows exactly where they're coming from. He knows exactly what they're struggling with. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he gets right to the point. And then, boom, the results are, you know, biblical results are dramatic. They're fantastic. They're awesome. Well, it's the same thing with, with everybody. If, if, if someone is telling me no, and I don't know why they're telling me, no, I got very little chance of reaching them. But when you understand why they're telling you, no, then you could put together a strategy to give you a really good chance. You got a much better chance now of getting them to say yes. And so that, that information right there has really helped us uh, be very successful at what we do. So it sounds like you're a man who learned from trial and error and have established a system. Now, is this a system you can, or a perspective that can be exported? Yes and no. Uh, in terms of understanding why somebody is saying no, and, and anybody can do that. And I wish the pro-life movement would do more of that. The pro-life movement just does the standard routine every day, the, the usual. And, you know, they they have very little in reach in, in my community. You know, they, they really don't uh, put much time and attention and effort to reach my community. And that's unfortunate because my community is the, is the, 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 the number one uh, victims of it. We're, we're the, the number ones in terms of uh, the number of, of abortion being committed. And if black America ever stood up and said, oh no, getting an abortion, that's not a civil right. You know, my goodness, you're taking the life of a child, of a baby. Oh no, that's not a civil right to do that to take the life of a child inside a womb of his, his or her own mother, my goodness, abortion wouldn't be able to stand at all. And so being the number one target of the abortion industry, we should be you know, a little high on the, on the priority, but that's not the case. And because the large flight movement has really no idea why anybody is saying no to them, uh, very little of what they're doing is effective and, and working at all. So in terms of knowing uh, why someone is, is saying no, oh yeah, anybody can do that. But oh my goodness, you know, there's some things that are specific. You know, you you you'll need to be a black American. And in some cases, uh, you'll need to be a licensed or, or ordained preacher so you can walk down down that aisle. And this is not knowledge that's you know unheard of or new. I mean, there are times when I, I've been asked to speak uh, to uh, an audience, and the audience is primarily women. Well, you know, I'm not a woman. 
So I talk to my wife. I make sure that, you know, hey, hey baby, you know, I'm thinking about saying this. I'm thinking about going here. I'm thinking about uh, saying this and saying that. And, you know, she's a woman. She can help me understand. Oh, yeah, I know. Say it like this or or dress it this way. Uh, you've got to realize that there are some limitations that God has placed on us. And that's why we all need to work together as one body in Christ. Good. Well, I hope that uh, our audience has something to think about. I certainly do. Every time I talk with you, Walter, um, aside from the fact that you're knowledgeable and you're dedicated, you're really a funny guy to be around anyway. You've got a great sense of humor. You don't take yourself too seriously, but you take your mission seriously, and that always inspires me. Well, thank you. I, I, I've known you for some time now. I, I love what you're doing. And if everybody does what they can do, it doesn't matter how big, how small, it, it doesn't matter. You're doing what God has called you to do. God will get the glory. God will get the honor. God will get the victory. God's going to win the battle. And then we can just all praise his name together when we see him in heaven. Amen. Thanks, Walter. And give my best to your dear wife. I will. Take care and God bless you. Before we go, before we go, tell people how they can get in touch with you. And if they would like to help your effort, why do I forget that part? Um, How they can reach you and how they can help in your mission. If you're trying to reach me and learn more about what we do at the Issues for Life Foundation, just visit our website at www.issues, and that's plural, issues, the number four, life.org. And everything you need is right there. And plenty to watch and plenty to read. So thanks, Walter, and God bless your work. Take care and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.